Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Today's visitor to the island brought Ireland to a complete standstill in the summer of 1992 when he won gold for Ireland in boxing at the Olympic Games in Barcelona. It's a pleasure to welcome Michael Carruth. And Michael, around the anniversary of it, do you, do you still have very vivid and strong memories of that great day? Of course you do. You know, it was it's you know, it's a pivotal part of my life. It's uh, and my family's life as well. And there's one thing I do miss about it is my father's phone call on the eighth of August. He'd always ring me after him watching the fight again. On the say, anniversary. And then telling yeah. me, You won that fight, you know. And I said, Thanks a lot, I know. I said, Yeah, and that's that's one part I always miss. But I do actually watch it on the eighth of August if I can, you know, yeah. and have it it brings back great memories. So it's so unique, of course, that your father was in the corner with you. Absolutely. Even yeah, and, and you couldn't have wished for a better story you know yeah. if you're going to win the gold medal you're going to win it with the guy who brought you into the sport and and more importantly you know being your father as well yeah. so I always wondered what it was like for him yeah. rather than me you know because how he kept it together on that day himself you know and his emotions everybody knows my emotions when I when I won I jumped and went crazy but coaches can't do that you know so yeah. it's uh, I always and now as a, as a coach now I only understand it, you know, how, how he how must have felt and how yeah. proud he was. And uh, yeah, so again, yeah, it's coming close to it. Yeah, so it's nearly, what, 29 years? Our previous gold medal was Ronnie Delaney in 1956. So the whole country had waited a long time. And there were two of you going into the finals. Yeah. And we got we got easy ones as well, two Cubans. So, well, so. Yeah. So you were kind of written off as, as not going to win this. Isn't that, yeah, isn't that fair? Yeah. Well, they, they had Wayne McCullough as more of a, a chance of winning the gold and me taking the silver. Mm. Um, little We didn't know enough about Casamayor, who, who Wayne Box, and when you look what he's gone on to yeah. do, you know, yeah. he's one of the greatest in, in that weight category, as Wayne McCullough is mm. as well. But, um, yeah, I was kind of fancied not to, to do any way well against this well, fella. You, know? you were and in a silver medal I was already. In, yeah, I was yeah. a silver medalist, but, they, you know, everybody's saying this fella's like the Titanic, he's unsinkable and yeah. things like that. And uh, we all know what happened to Titanic. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> It was in morning fight. Saturday morning, yeah. yeah. So early as well. So yeah. it was really, it was, I think it was 10 past 10 in the morning. So uh, you had very little time from when you're doing the weigh-in to do your medical check get back and have a bite to eat up to the arena. and um, what, time, what time would you have slept the night before, can you remember? The two of us were very good on our weight, so which was even better. So we, we were going to bed hydrated, which is great for any boxer. Mm-hmm. And we've all done it the wrong way as well yeah. and being dehydrated for... Yeah. So the two of us were very good on our Explain weight. Explain the importance of that, Michael. Sorry. Well, see, with the weight category, you know, boxers have to make weight every time they box, you know. So um, we, I think Wayne had fought five fights in the Olympics, I had four. And every time you, you you box that morning of the of the fight, you have to weigh in. And if you miss the weight, you're out of, you're out mm. of competition. So my weight category was sixty seven kg, which is ten and a half stone. Wayne's was fifty four kg, which is eight and a half stone. And we have to be under that weight category. So um, we were very comfortable on the weight because even the the night be, like okay, we were boxing all up to that week as well. Like I think we'd I had four fights in eight eight days as Wayne mm. had. 
five fights in ten days, you know. So it's it's very demanding on your body, but it's also helping you lose weight yeah, when you're yeah. when you're in competition. So um, and you just you just have to be sensible what you eat and what you drink and and things like that. But when you're making the weight good and and you can get asleep the night before. It's it's absolutely it's it's six weeks of training, okay, yeah. and, and a good sleep the night before you box, and um, and believe it or not, I'm I'm the the lazy one that since that I went back to bed after the way in fell asleep again, you know, and my dad said you couldn't understand it, this fellow's fighting the Olympic <laughs> final in two hours and he's gone back to bed, you know, so, uh, so but you must have been up early for all of that. We would have been up about six in the morning and mm. we would have got nearly forced on the scales, you know, just you, you want to get on the scales for us, you want to obviously go and get yourself then food into you and uh, I fell back asleep. What kind of food would you have before? It was just basic breakfast, you know, you'd have a cereal, you wouldn't have, you, you, you tend to go with what, what you've always done, like I'm a kind of superstitious type of guy mm. as well that I tend to eat the same food they, they, every day that I box you know yeah. I got that superstitious in, in Barcelona even when I was wearing to the venue I wore it every day you yeah. know what I mean that like I just got, got paranoid about it to a degree and then I, I'd get it washed and wear it again yeah. I'd get it washed and wear it again and it, you know again anything that gives you a little heads up on, on anybody else uh, you, you, you go by it you know so and uh, and I think every sports person has that kind of superstitious little routine they have yeah. you know well we'll keep that story going but we'll pause for a moment for your first musical choice which brings us back in, in years Oh, way back! It's uh, it's yeah. it brings me back till I was eleven or twelve years old, and it was just I remember hearing the song for the first time. Another brick in the wall. Another brick in the wall. Pink Floyd. It was one of those kind of songs that you just amazingly took to you know the the lyrics that you know when you and you listen to the lyrics of it, and only when you you get a bit older you understand songs and. Yeah. Even that song there, you know, the you know it portrayed the headmaster as being. I don't like using the word a bully, you know. Mm. And the, the the kids got back at him, and it was kind of relevant in my life in the sense that I was with my two other brothers in class, Martin and William. You were a triplet. I, you were a triplet. Yeah. yeah. So all through primary we were we were together. All through secondary we were we were divided, you know. And when we were in school, and I assume when you were in school, Des as well, there was 45 or 48 of us in the class, yeah. you know, we're not like the numbers that are now, you know, so, uh, so somewhat intimidating as well because you tend to have two gangs as well in the, in the class, didn't you? And your gang <laughs> and their gang, you know what I mean? But, one of the kids was kind of getting picked on. I'm not going to mention the teacher and I'm not going to mention the school, but people will know what primary school I went to. And he was kind of picking on the envelope for no reason and, and we just, we, we didn't like it, but we were pupils, he was the teacher and this is the way it was going. And then all of a sudden, one of the lads at the back of the, car, at the class starts singing, hey teacher, lead us kids. And then all of a sudden, wow. The next person beside him starts singing it, and then the next person beside it, and then we all of a sudden, 44 of us are singing this song to the teacher, you know. And I'm sure he got a bit worried, you know what yeah. I mean? Because he says, I can take two or three of these on, but I'm not going to take 44 of them on, you know. And uh, we sang the song right to the end, and it was one of those moments in my, in my life. We all actually stood up and applauded ourselves as well, which was a bit fine as well. But it was a kind of thing that we were saying to him, listen. You're just another brick in the wall as well, pal. You're just like us, you know what I mean? And and the relevance of it as well, that everybody's just another brick in the wall, isn't it? I think the, the way they, they put it as the song, that you were a cog in the machine, weren't you? So, yeah. and uh, it was just a super song. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Pink Floyd, the choice of today's guest, Olympic boxing champion, Michael Cruz. We're chatting about... The day he won in Barcelona, up at six o'clock, weighed in, had breakfast, and 
you go back to bed and you're fighting at 10 past 10, so switch oh, off. I just, off. I just went yeah. off and then Wayne was, see, Wayne was kind of, kind of like, uh, how you could describe Wayne McCullough as a, as a bumblebee, you know? He's, a, he's, a, yeah, and yeah. he's everywhere, you know? I'm somewhat a little bit more you know, relaxed I was and... and uh, Although the two of us, you know, this was our second Olympics for both of us, you know, so mm. we were we were experiencing in the field of, you know, we're the only two surviving members of, of the 88 team. team yeah. And it shows that, you know, that sometimes you go to the Olympic Games too early. But with that, Wayne was at the, was already at the venue before I nearly got out of, out of the, the Olympic Village, you know. So, uh, and then I got there eventually and at the time you had your, your headphones on, you were playing your music and you were just trying to stay, stay in, in, in the mood and what have you. But... Yeah, I knew that my father, Austin, my dad, and Nicholas Cruz had to look after Wayne McCullough for us, and that's yeah. the way he was forced in. And um, so you're kind of deserted. They leave you in the dress room area. If I remember, he was two bouts ahead of you. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Who box between us, you know? Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya. Well done, you. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, it's one of the pub. richest sportsmen in the world it's now. One of the, yeah, yeah. One of the, it's one for a pub quiz, all right, isn't yeah. it? So, that but, that uh, was an educated guess now. Yeah, well, it yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, And obviously they had to take all, you know, to look after Wayne and, and leave me in, in, in the back, you know, in the background. You know? so, so we're on your own? Yeah, because any of the boxers, you're not allowed, unless you're boxing, you're in the dressing room area. You know? mm. And I, I had my hands bandaged as well, which means you're not allowed out of the dressing room area as well. So... Um, were you watching Wayne then on a monitor? Yeah, I was watching him on TV and it was a kind of thing that and but everywhere I looked I could see a Cuban. They had that many in the final, you know what I mean? I was I was seeing them everywhere and they were getting a bit little paranoid and you know so I'm watching this fight and all of a sudden I said, I'm not watching this fight on TV anymore. I walked to the tunnel area and I watched his last round uh, against Casamayor and he truly it was his best round and he really what he gave me in that last round was was belief. You know, we can push these back. Yeah. These have a heartbeat like we have. They have two hands like we have. You know, I said, come on, start copping yourself on here. Don't You're not losing this fight. You're going in to win this fight. And Wayne gave me so much from his, his last round against Casemiro. Yeah. Had he started that way, he would have been an Olympic champion as yeah, well. He didn't win just to remind those yeah, young, he younger. The second, yeah, yeah, he got yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unanimous decision. Yeah. And um, but you know, there's no shame in that. No, uh, silver medal was, was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, as you say, Delahoya got in next. And you have to wait for all the medal ceremonies to be finished as well. So it, it's somewhat it goes on longer than a normal tournament would because you have to get the medals uh, presented so well Wayne comes back out and for your father and Nicholas Cruz as the coaches it's kind of hard because Wayne's yeah devastated or, but they now have to focus on you and you have to focus on you yeah and, and, and yeah and Wayne is just kind of I must say thrown to the, yeah, the sidelines yeah. you know and he had a fractured cheekbone as well people didn't know Bloody and uh, so he was in a bit of pain as well so with that yeah the doctors would have looked after him got him to the medical thing and things like that you have to go and do drug testing as well. So uh, he was kind of kept busy in that regard, but he actually stayed in the tunnel area and watched my fight as well. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, so they had to just go from A to B and I was B and it was it was that moment to, to get in and try to do this. You know? And what do you remember then of going into the ring? Do you remember, were you totally focused? Do you remember hearing your, because you had great support there? I said something there. to my father and he, he asked me to repeat it, you know, and I said it again to him, you know, and I was not, and I've said this a few times and, you know, interviews and all that. But I said to him, Delaney's time is up, I said. <laughs> and I wasn't being cheeky and I wasn't being disrespectful, but I said, Delaney's time is up. And he said, what? And I said, Delaney's time is up. The and great Ronnie Delaney. He said to the great Ronnie, he said to me, 
And he didn't say it to me after. He's only after the fight. He says to me, every hair in my body stood up when you said that to me, he said. And he said, now his words, the little fecker's going to do it. He says, you know what I mean? That's what exactly <laughs> what he said. He's going to do this, you know? And I got off to a great start. I boxed the first round and I won it 4-3. Now, to be honest, Des, if I, if I'm if being honest, if I had gone back to the corner and I was losing 4-3, I wouldn't have minded. I was in the fight, but I was winning the fight. Mm. So it basically, that was the, his first time behind in all his fights in the Olympics. You know, he'd never been behind. Yeah. The second round came up and I was boxing well in the second round and I was catching him. He obviously thought I was going to go to him, being a smaller boxer. He's six foot two or three, I'm five foot seven on me tippy toes. And uh, so it's natural that the smaller boxer goes to the, yeah. the, the taller boxer and you get picked off, you know. So we weren't going to play that game. So we decided to bring him on to us for three rounds, which is not an easy thing to let a Cuban do that to you. Yeah. But it worked because my right hand was as fast as his, or if not faster. He was behind and then the second round disaster struck. I got I got a public warning for holding. I couldn't believe I was just... And to I was explain at, why that's a disaster, that docks you a point. Well, it, was, it didn't yeah. dock me a point. It gave him three scores. Yeah. And when you think the first round was 4-3, yeah. but I was in such a good headspace then that I said, get it back, get it back, get it back. I said, oh... And I caught him with a couple of hooks at the end of the fight, at the round, and I came back and it was all even. And I went, I'm not giving him three of those scores. You know, I'm beating this fella by three scores here, I said to myself. And again, it's all accumulating in your head and the whole nine years. So Nicholas and my father were in the corner, as you know, and a sudden rush of uh, blood went to my head and what have you. And he said, I oh, said, well, I go forward and they nearly chopped me. You know, and they said, no, back, he's going to come at you. He is going to come at you. Because he was frustrated, he still hadn't gone ahead in the fight, and he was getting a right going off by his his coaches as well. How are you letting this little fella from Ireland beat you? You know, and so lo and behold, he came at me, and I think for the first minute of that last round, I won the Olympics. You know, because I went ahead. And did you did, did you ever see the interview of me or the the commentators, uh, the American commentary of me? No, I'm only at the getting it this year, right? And I was known as the fiddler. Right, the fiddler crew. Well, that's what they called me. Right, and they said they said an Irish broadcaster told them mentioned. Was, oh yeah, we call him the fiddler crew because when he gets ahead, he stays ahead. You know, and I go, I'm looking at this and and I go the fiddler crew. So all right, so I got ahead and I I did start fiddling then because I did start holding and I start you know yeah. I wasn't letting him throw his punches. So he and, couldn't score. And he was he was getting more frustrated as the fight went on, and he you know as it went on you know you're getting closer to you're getting closer and closer, and you you try to look down to your corner all the time, and it's, that's quite dangerous sometimes because you know this fellow was big and long, so I got to look down at the corner, and, and they were going like that, like the lasso, right? A lasso, yeah. That means get on your bike and start dancing, right? And I says. Did they go like that? Are they telling me to go like that? And going like that means go at them. Go and forward, yeah. Behind, you know? Trying to interpret your, your finger signs yeah, for So what I was doing was, uh, so I was going to actually spit my gum shield out and go to the corner and, Jamie, see, and see, but I'd already got a public warning, so I said, you might give me another one, yeah. so I said, I better not do that. And then when I got back to the corner, I I knew when the bell went, if you looked at the two of us, this, I knew I won, but most important was he knew he lost. And boxers are the best judges. We are truly the best judges. You know, you know when you win and you know when you lose. But you know? you're still relying on the judges to get it right you're as still, well. Because then yeah. you know you get if you remember four years earlier, uh, Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. in in South so, Korea, yeah. and when you look at that fight, you know, and you're saying to yourself, nothing can you can never ever trust I, judges ever in your life after that fight. You know what I mean? So I was sitting with Jimmy McGee, who was doing the commentary on it. Yeah. 
and he had that nervous wait, you know, has he done it? Has yeah. he done it? Yeah. But you knew. I can't, yeah, I knew. He knew. You know, I don't, I wouldn't have liked his hand to go up and, and you know, I don't think he even thought he won. You know what I mean? But he, he oh, would did have, your he, dad or Nicholas have a view on it? Uh, we hugged one another. We knew we were, we were kind yeah. of, yeah, them, them two were because they were getting Jackie Poucher from the north. Yeah. And you know, Jackie yeah. Relio. And Jackie was sitting behind the American uh, commentary and they paid for the right to have the scores prior to it being announced. You know, so he's scouting at me dad with 30 seconds. Going, he's tray up, he's tray up. You know? So again, he's, uh, it's one of, it was one of those things. And then that's what was, my dad was trying to tell me, get on your bike, you're yeah, winning this yeah. fight, you know. And uh, so again, when the, you know, again, it, it's one of these things when the, when you're in the middle of a ring, the reverie normally grabs a good hold of you when you want to fight, you know. And mm-hmm. they got the arm and this fellow was barely holding me touch me and I go oh, you hold a hand there I'm not the winner of this fight and and then of course it was announced in Spanish and I um, I had rehearsed the night before how I was going to win and I was going to you know do what Ronnie done and get down on his knee and bless himself you know and not that I'm over religious or anything like that but I was going to do that and that completely went out the window because when I felt my hand being Just raised spontaneous I went yeah. crazy as we all know and um I jumped and I'm only glad those ropes are so strong because uh, I'd have done damage, you know, and then it, it was just craziness afterwards. And that's why this second musical choice is so important. It doesn't need an introduction really, does it? Yeah, well, it's, it's of course, it's, it's from, the I, I believe the greatest showman that ever lived, you know, Freddie Mercury. He, to me, he was, he was the greatest show person, you know, he really was. And uh, Barcelona is my song, you know, of course. So, which is a pleasure, he was part of my life, you know, so... Great song. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Barcelona, the choice of today's guest, Olympic boxing champion Michael Carruth. Everybody still remembers the scenes of Walkinstown, your mother, the family, your brothers, yeah. sisters, Paula, everyone. The wild scenes in your house uh, on that Saturday morning but, when you won. It's amazing as well because I was actually, I could only when I got back to the Olympic Village, we got to see some parts of the celebration hang on. And I'm looking, who's that in the house? Who's that in the house? Who's that? Why did they let that man in the house? You know, so, and there was some oh, the lads from the road were all yeah, in, were they? Yeah. And yeah. everybody got in. They, yeah. they had to put bounces on the door as well, I think, <laughs> that night as well. Yeah. And of course, you know, it was a huge part for Green Hills, Walkerstown, um it was one of the biggest ever parties that, yeah. you know I'd love to be in a fly on the wall there because it was a great a great party yeah, but it was more than that though it was for the country because as we said 1956 yeah. to 92 was a long wait for the Olympic gold yeah and and boxing had been so close so many times you yeah. know and um, when you look at some great fighters over the years John McNally finished silver Fred Teed mm-hmm. uh, silver as well and we had some real you know, people being beaten in semi-finals and yeah. the whole nine yards. So it was like to think I, I finished off the jigsaw because we had silvers and we had bronze medals and we needed a bronze or we needed a gold and we got the gold. And it's, you know, as I say, in this coming August, it'll be 29 years since, since that. So I would like to think that we need to get another goal. I know Katie has produced it with the females in 2012, but another lad has to start getting up there as well because it's too long, you know? So, but uh, it was, listen, it was... To me, sometimes it was just another fight, you know. So mm-hmm. that's the way my dad used to put it as well. It was a good fight, he said, but you know, it wasn't my best fight. I, 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 I think my best fight in the Olympics was the semi-final, but I had to do what I had to do against the Cuban. I had to spoil him, you know, and that's what we done. Your, your broad interest in sport, though, brings us to your third musical choice. 
because you have a broad interest in all sports. Of you were, you are, yeah. You're involved with the Dublin Dublin Hurlers for a few yeah. years, yeah, with under Anthony Daly. Um, and you I, enjoyed that too, didn't oh, you? I love that, yeah. I, yeah. Love, I love hurling. Hurling's my second biggest sport. You yeah. know what I mean? I love it. I love Gaelic football. I, I'm a dub. I'm yeah. a true dub. I go to as many of the Dublin matches as I can. It's it's part of it. You're growing up, you know. My, my, you know, it was kind of crazy. My mother loved the hurling and all the rest loved the, loved the... The football, we all, and I do a lot of football, but I'd love to watch Horland. And just the, yeah. the pure skill in it is, you know, it's phenomenal. It's, yeah. And it's the most skillful game in the world. It's no, nothing better than mm-hmm. bigger. So, um, and I was delighted to be on part of uh, Anthony's team for four years. And we got we got close to the Holy Grail, sure we did, did, you know what yeah. I mean? But we, we were pipped, you know, yeah. so. Uh, but again, it was it was a great working with them and uh, a great part of my life, you know. And soccer then is is what leads us to this final musical choice. Well, soccer, well, as you can see, I'm wearing my Celtic top. You know, yeah. So Celtic and Liverpool supporter uh, all my life. I think is one of the most iconic songs in the world. You know, it really is. It and I you know, and I'm not having to go with Man United fans here or anything like that. But you have That's nothing. Okay. <laughs> you have nothing compared to that song. You know what I mean? I don't think any other club has, you know. So it's it, it's just so moving, I think, sometimes. it's And I suppose what we're living in now at the moment, what's, what's going on with Corona-19 and all that, you know, you should never walk alone. And and not only that, with people who suffer with depression and things like that as well, there's always somebody there to talk to you, you know. Mm-hmm. And if there's not, try get help, you know. And I think it, there's so much meaning to that song as well, you never walk alone. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's, believe it or not, it's a song that I just... I play it every night in the boxing club. Yeah, and all the all the kids who follow Chelsea and Arsenal and Man United, they all put their fingers in their ears at this stage. You know what I mean? And uh, they're only lucky now because after waiting thirty years with Liverpool to, to win the Premier League, they were lucky that the club was being closed because of the coronavirus because they would have got it full whack. You know what I mean? But uh, it's again, it's 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 one of the best songs ever. Like my brother Martin and William, the two of them as well. You know, we've had our 21st birthdays, our 30th birthday, 40 birthday, 50 birthdays, having parties, and it's the last song of the night. It always is. You never walk alone in, in air parties, and it'll always keep going that way, you know. So it's, uh, you know, it's me. It's it's, it's not my favourite song. I'm not going to tell you my favourite song, but it's my second favourite song. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll play it tonight with your second favourite song. Michael Cruz, who will always be our Olympic champion. A pleasure chatting with you. Thank Thanks, you, Des. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.